just a heads up, this is the second part of a two-part episode that started last week, and it'll probably make more sense if you go back and listen from the beginning. So if you haven't already checked out last week's episode, be sure to do that before you listen to this one. is going a little bit down the the as we split splinter off into mm -hmm. different denominations the anglicans uh episcopalians are included in that okay in the that's anglican a communion question. all right so episcopalians anglicans other non-catholic denominations yeah if it's like church of a country it's probably part of this like church of england church of wales do non-British Empire countries have church oaths? Is there a church of the United States in that same way? Or Those are the Episcopalians. Weird? Okay. You probably can't call it the Church of the United States because the Constitution gets mad about that. Uh, maybe. I don't know. I could anticipate that being a problem. But anyway, Anglicans, baptism as an infant, Trinitarian, uh, normally just done pouring water over the head three times. Can You can get baptized as an adult. Um, it's still water over your head three times. Yeah, still water over your head three times. Messier because you're a bigger person. Yeah. Uh, there's not a specific day that adults have to do it like there is in the Catholic Church, but typical days that it sometimes is done are on the Easter Vigil, mm -hmm. on Pentecost, on All Saints Day, and on the Feast of Jesus' Baptism. Those all make sense. When is the Pentecost? Pentecost is 50 days after Easter. Like, okay. Because Penti. All right. Okay. What do you celebrate at Pentecost? Uh, the birthday of the church. Okay. <laughs> we can get more into that in another episode. All right. <laughs> I'm going to just go with, okay. <laughs> um, it's a fun story uh, that involves getting drunk too early in the day. Oh boy. <laughs> I do love a good party boy Jesus story. Oh yeah. Oh, uh. Or is this about us getting drunk too early in the day? It's about somebody getting drunk too early in the morning. Fair. I support any and all day drinking related things. So, communion is not an initiation sacrament in the Anglican Church. It's. Communion is open to anyone who has been baptized. Okay. And anyone who's been baptized in any church. Trinitarian or otherwise? I think just. Trinitarian, but I have not gone to an Episcopal church that would hold you to that. Okay. Or even really hold you to being baptized. Most of them are just, go for it. So I could roll in. You, honestly, at my church, you totally could. That's hilarious. I wonder how many episodes it's going to take before Brian takes me to church. We will play that one song at the beginning of the podcast. Yes. That and then everyone will know. To mark that this is the episode in which Shannon goes to church. <laughs> But yeah, what, however short we have to play that clip that we don't uh, have to have rights to it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, 
confirmation with the Anglicans done at the age of maturity, which again is who knows what exactly that is. Kind of 12, Mm -hmm. between 12 and 18. Okay. It's like generally you you know better Mm -hmm. (laughs) is the age that we're talking about. Young adulthood. Yeah. Confirmation done by a bishop. If you have been confirmed in the Catholic or Orthodox Church, you can just be received, which is just a simple ceremony done by the bishop. Okay. A little bit shorter than confirmation. But we're back to bishops. Yes. Okay. Really, those are the only two that do bishops for confirmation is Catholics and Anglicans, mostly because the other people don't have bishops. Okay. And on that note, we will move on to the Lutherans. Okay. So we've gotten, historically, we're now post-Protestant Reformation. Exactly. We're getting into the Protestants. Yes. Although, Anglicans are Protestants. They are. They're a different kind of Protestant, though, because they... They're Protestant for different reasons? Yeah. That's a good way to describe it. They split off for different reasons. Yes. Um, Okay, so the Lutherans, the OG Protestants. They... Baptism again. Okay. That's kind of a running theme here. You need to get baptized. And is it Trinitarian? Trinitarian. They baptize infants, pour water over the top of the head three times. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you want to become a Lutheran as an adult, there's usually a class that you have to take, which is kind of true in everything in mm-hmm. some manner or another, just so that you understand what you're getting into. That's reasonable. Now, there's not a communion element in the Lutheran's because this is one of the sticking points of what makes Lutherans Lutherans, right? That there's not a blood body thing? So, no, there's communion, but they don't... It's just transubstantiation things happen here. Right. So, yes, transubstantiation is not a thing for Lutherans. But Eucharist is a sacrament for Lutherans. Okay. So, up until this point, we've had seven sacraments. Three of which are baptism communion and confirmation okay the others are not important in this conversation and sacraments are just like the rights you have to being a member of the church things the church gives you yeah you're getting something from god through these rituals okay so seven rituals that connect you to your god i'll just list the other four while we're on the topic sure marriage holy orders which is becoming a priest okay anointing of the sick and Confession, or the other four. Okay, but you don't always get all of them. Right. Uh, Especially uh, marriage marriage and holy orders. Those two seem to contradict each other. Right. Sometimes. Because a deacon can get married and also takes holy orders? Or are those not holy orders? They... I'm actually unclear on that. I, I can't remember if holy orders is just if you're a priest. Um, I'd have to look at the specifics on that. Okay. But, I mean, there's definitely ways to do it. Like, if, if you're uh, married and your wife dies and then you become a priest, you can get all of them. Or there's weird things about if you're an, an Anglican priest and then convert after you've been married, you're allowed to be a Catholic priest. It's a weird loophole. That's a bizarre loophole. Yeah, it's it makes for weird homilies. When you just like, and my wife said, and you're like, what? <laughs> Have you ever met a I have. We had one at my parents' church uh, in Ohio. Interesting. But anyway, Lutherans, uh, they also have confirmation. It's just done by the pastor, not by a a bishop. 
Okay. And it's not a sacrament. Because the only two sacraments they have are baptism and Eucharist. Okay. The other thing that you can do that I had never heard of before researching this is you can transfer your membership between congregations. Uh, and that doesn't just include Lutherans. It also includes if you're Baptist, Methodist, or Presbyterian. If you're a member of one of those, you have your membership, and you can just have it sent to another church, and then you don't have to do any initiation stuff. You're just part of that church. Interesting. It's like transferring your voter registration. Yeah, kind of. Uh, which is just very interesting to me, and not at all a thing that uh, Catholics or Anglicans do. As a Catholic person, if you move across the country, there's not like a membership transfer. You just show up and you're like, hey... I've been baptized and confirmed and taken communion. Here I am. You don't have to, like, do it all again. No. They just kind of trust you if you're just a member of the church. Mm -hmm. If you're trying to, like, be a priest or get married... They want to see all the paperwork. Right. And you just call up the church that you got baptized at and be like, Hey, can I have my baptismal certificate mailed to me or a copy of it? Okay. But with the Lutherans, you have to, like, actively change your membership. Yeah, that's what it sounded like. I asked some friends on this because I was like, is this a real thing? Do people have membership and they transfer it? And all my friends were like, yeah, that's just that's a thing people do. Interesting. I was like, oh, wild. <laughs> that's so spe specific. Yeah, I and I was like, man, you out-bureaucracy us. <laughs> that's wild. <laughs> Good work, Lutherans slash Methodists slash... Presbyterians. Presbyterians. All of them. But speaking of the Methodists, that's where we are now. Okay. They also baptism again, because everybody does baptism. That's what we're learning. Great. Again, Trinitarian. Great. They do pouring over the head or sprinkling over the head. Oh, so they, this is where sprinkling starts. Yeah, they, Methodists, will sometimes do sprinkling, and they will sometimes do immersion. That's arms crossed back into the lake. Yeah. They still get to dunk you three times, though. Oof. <laughs> If I'm going immersion, I only want it to happen once. We'll get there. There's a place for that. I believe. <laughs> so Methodists will baptize infants um, or or adults if you come into the faith later. Mm -hmm. um, and they do they do confirmation. But my friend who I asked, who is Methodist, he said that basically it's only if you're a kid and have grown up in the faith, and then again at the age of maturity, you say your vows to the church and get accepted in, that's called confirmation. But if an adult takes vows and becomes part of the church, they don't really call it confirmation. It's just like welcome to the church. Yeah. But you still, it's an official ceremony where you're accepting the beliefs of the Methodists. Okay. And again, they, they transfer membership. And if they, if you're coming from a church that doesn't have membership, but you've already done baptism and confirmation, like if you're Catholic or Anglican, you can be received. Okay. Which is just a short, shortened process. That's nice. But you don't have the card. So. It saves water. Yeah. <laughs> What's next? So next is Presbyterians. Okay. Pretty much kind of the same story, done on infants, Trinitarian, normally pouring or sprinkling baptisms, but a they can do immersion if you really want it. It would. That's a lot if you really want immersion. Um, I don't know why I have such strong feelings about immersive baptisms, <laughs> other than that it seems jarring and uncomfortable. I mean, you've been in a pool. 
Yeah, but no one was dunking me under the water. <laughs> it's not like it's a surprise. I even. didn't have my clothes on. <laughs> um, yeah, I... Now I'm picturing, like, baptisms in bikinis, and it's just a weird scene. Yeah, that seems weirder. <laughs> You're right, let's go back. Clothes are an important part of this process. So, you get baptized. Yep. You get confirmed. Again, not a sacrament for these guys. Only two sacraments. Uh, you become an adult in the church through confirmation. Happens at the age of maturity. Very similar. Done by a pastor, not a bishop, because they don't have bishops. Okay. And my friend who is Presbyterian that I asked wanted it to be made clear that it doesn't... You do not have to get confirmed, and even kids get a choice whether they want to be confirmed or not. Okay. It's, it's very important, at least in my, my friend's personal church, that... Uh, it, you only got confirmed if you really wanted to be accepted into the church. Okay. So if you're just, like, there because your parents are there, they're not going to make you say vows unless you come to that decision on your own that you want to do it. Right. You can just keep coming to services and they're not going to look at you weird for not taking vows. Yeah, because, I mean, you're still a Christian if you've been baptized. Okay. Um, it's just, it gets, it's kind of like it... It gets more specific as you go into the these taking the vows of the specific denomination that yeah. you are. Okay. And like I said before, they transfer membership. And this is a, where we start to get a little different in the Baptists. Okay. The ones whose names start with baptism. Yes. So they believe in a believer's baptism. Okay. Which means you can't be an infant. This is where adult baptism happens. Yes. This is standing in the lake in all of your clothes with your arms crossed. Yes. <laughs> I'll, I don't know why I'm, this is the image that comes to mind when I think about adult immersion baptisms. But so you don't have to be in a lake. It does not have to be a natural body of water. No, I'm I, sure it can be a swimming pool or whatever. I think that's actually a Jewish thing, that it has to be a natural body of water Interesting. to become Jewish. At least that's what I learned from... What's that show about the women's prison? Oh, Orange is the New Black. Orange is the New Black taught me that. <laughs> Great. Okay, but we'll get there later. Let's come back to Baptists. So, adult baptism. Yeah, there it's uh, full full immersion. They might not count other baptisms. Up till now, everybody has counted everybody else's baptism. Yep. These are, it only counts if you were an adult when you got baptized in whatever other church. Because they want you to have agreed to it. Okay. So consent is important in baptism. Yes. For the Baptists. Because you have to profess belief in Jesus beforehand. Which, okay. like, some people have described as being born again or being saved. Okay. So that's where this, sort of, that whole saved, born again thing comes in. Correct. And as far as I can tell, Baptists do not do a confirmation sort of thing. Because you're an adult now, and so they all sort of happen at the same time. Yeah, it, it's good enough. We, You said you want this, so you're now one of us because you, said you got wanted dumped in... underwater. Okay. Um, and also, I believe, not necessarily a Trinitarian baptism, but I'm not certain on that one. Okay. Baptists, let us know how many times did you get dumped underwater during your believer's baptism. Actually, I called everybody. I want to hear your baptism stories. If you're an adult and you got baptized, I want to hear your stories. <laughs> Just for my own personal gratification. Maybe we'll read them on the show. 
But yeah, it it basically seems like the the Baptists are kind of the bridge between the more mainline Protestants that we had talked about before Mm -hmm. and the evangelicals. Okay. Is that where we're going next? Yeah, we'll go to evangelicals next. So they have even less specific structure. These are where you get a lot of individual churches that are led by a specific pastor, and their only guidance is the Bible itself. Okay, so there's not a greater structure of people telling you what the rules are. Right, so that's why there's less of specific rules for initiation. But the main thing is being saved. So professing that Jesus Christ is your Lord and Savior, and that he died for your sins. And these churches will a lot of time have things called altar calls where they'll have people come up and just profess that they have been saved kind of at the end of their services. Um, It's a big, exciting deal. But there's not a baptism necessarily. The baptism is less important, but there is a baptism. Some people think that you need the baptism to complete the being saved. Some people think it's just a symbol. I don't know, a fun reason for a party. People Uh, like ritual. Yeah. Definitely never infants okay. for, for evangelicals. Usually immersion. Not always Trinitarian. So when you're getting that, it usually just be, I baptize you in the name of Jesus. One dunk. There, the Jesus is the bit there. Yeah. Or sometimes uh, Christ creator king, which is not really Trinitarian. So that also doesn't count. But it once again, it varies widely. Okay. So I have one more that is... Uh, Again, an offshoot. I asked a little bit about the Mormons. Great. I was going to say, I figured that the offshoot was either going to be Judaism or Mormonism in terms of our initiation ritual stories. So tell me, how does one become a Mormon? You get baptized at the age of eight. Okay, that's very specific. Yeah, it's it kind of reminds me of the age for First Communion. Okay, yeah, that's a similar time of life. Yeah, it's basically that's when you're old enough that you should know better, is in their mind. Yeah. They do full immersion. Okay. Uh, They do not accept other baptisms. They are very specific. They are. And also, Catholics do not accept Mormon baptisms, even though it's Trinitarian, which is just interesting to me. That is interesting. Because I guess there are enough other theological differences. That is... It it doesn't count. Okay. But so you adult, immersion, Trinitarian, eight-year-old. Eight-year-old. Or older. Or older. But so it's non-infant Trinitarian immersion baptism. Correct. Done by a Mormon man with the proper priesthood authority. And priesthood is just like their phrase for being a full standing member of the church, right? Correct. So and it's not like... But only a, men. Okay. But when we say priesthood, we don't mean priest in the sort of Catholic sense we mean priest in the morbid sense which is like full upstanding adult member of the church right it's not like a professional cleric yes it's a, a yeah someone who isn't who has is in good standing in the church has gone through whatever advanced things that there are yes um so but, any adult male with priesthood rights can baptize people who get baptized yes um Another thing about Mormon baptisms, it's done in, like, this fun white jumpsuit. Is it the magic underwear? Uh, No, that's a different thing. Okay. But, no, it's just a straight up, like, think, like, painting coveralls. Oh, wow. It's a lot of fabric to get fully immersed underwater. Yeah, it's, uh, everybody, go look up pictures. 
Uh, they have a lot of great promotional pictures online of like eight-year-olds just like hanging out in this pool in their little white jumpsuits. It's very cute. I'm googling Mormon baptism <laughs> right now. So while Shannon is doing that, the last bit of it is they, they do do confirmation. Yeah, they consider it the baptism of the spirit. Okay. Uh, so the, the Holy Spirit comes down onto you, and it's not immediately after baptism. Okay. I've Googled Mormon baptism. Uh, when I think painting coveralls, I think long sleeves. But other than that, you're totally right. Okay, that's fair. It yeah, is they... a short-sleeved crew neck jumpsuit. Everyone's standing waist deep in water, so I have no idea if it's shorts or full pants. Uh, nope, it looks like it's full pants. Yeah, it's... Guys, it's very cute. The little kids. <laughs> very cute. Elastic waistband. The whole bit. Um, and then the, uh, the one other thing is for Mormons, generally, if you're an adult, decide you want to become a Mormon, you uh, meet up with a missionary, and you have typically six meetings with them before you get baptized where they talk about everything in the faith and get you ready for it. Okay. So that's what I have on different... Uh, types of Christians and how you can become one of them. That's awesome. Do we have any information on Judaism and how one becomes initiated into Judaism? Uh, no, I was sticking with just Christianity. Okay. I, in general, on this podcast, am going to try not to get too into Judaism just because it's outside of my understanding and experience. And if we go down that road, maybe we'll have a fun guest. Yeah, I love the idea of a guest star. Well, let's take a break, and then we'll come back for a little Patronage Pop Quiz. Sounds good. This is Initiation Part 2, Patronage Pop Quiz Edition. What saint are we talking about this week, Brian? Well, this week, Shannon, we are talking about a Native American saint in honor of Thanksgiving. Oh, how wonderful. I'm excited, but also a little nervous. I know very little about Native American saints other than that they exist. Um, not many of them, but I like this one a lot. Uh, Katiri Tekawitha. Okay. So Katiri Tekawitha was born in 1656 in, the, in a Mohawk village. Her mother was Algonquin and was captured by Mohawks, and her father was a Mohawk chief. She contracted smallpox at four, and it left her scarred and orphaned. And she was very embarrassed by her scars and would sometimes hide her face with a blanket. She was raised by her uncle and she grew to be known as a skilled worker in their community. Um, her adoptive parents, her uncle and her aunt, they found her a suitor, but she refused to marry this suitor. So they punished her by giving her a lot of work to do, but she did it without complaining and did a really good job of it, so they eventually just like gave up and said, okay, I guess you're not getting married. But then at 19, she converted to Catholicism, and she went beyond just uh, not wanting to marry, and she took a vow of chastity, pledging to marry only Jesus Christ. This was very unpopular with her adoptive parents and the neighbors, and some even started accusing her of sorcery. To avoid persecution, she ran away to the Christian native community at Sault St. Louis. There she prayed for her fellow Mohawks to convert, and she even tried to start a community of native religious women, but she was told that she could not, so she humbly accepted ordinary life. She was very devout. Uh, she would do things like putting thorns on her sleeping mat 
and she would fast. And when she did eat, she would taint her food so that it didn't taste as good. And sometimes she would even burn herself as like signs of her faith. Unfortunately, her self-denial probably led to her early death. Uh, she, she died when she was only 24. But witnesses say that when she died, her skin became like that of a healthy child. The pockmarks and the suffering lines disappeared, and a touch of a smile came upon her lips. So, that helps a little bit. That does help a little bit. <laughs> it gives me an idea. Uh, okay, so Shannon, what do you think that Kateri Tekwitha is the patron saint of? Please tell me she's the patron saint of those afflicted with smallpox. She's not. What? <laughs> what? How? How is this possible? Um, I don't know. Maybe that's too specific. There's uh, gotta be a patron saint of, like, smallpox survivors and deadly facial disfigurement and whatever. Maybe. I know there's definitely patron saints of, like, lepers. Okay, tell me what she's the patron saint of. So, Kateri Tekawitha is the patron saint of ecologists, ecology, the environment, environmentalism, environmentalists, exiles, loss of parents, orphans, and people ridiculed for their piety. Okay, I mean, all of those are reasonable... But also, she should probably be the patron saint of either people with facial disfigurements or people who survive smallpox. I'm just saying. I, yeah, I mean, that that might be on a list. That's not on my list. Uh, yeah. But fair. Um, so, one more thing that I want to mention at the end of this episode is back in the Wedding at Cana episode, I mentioned that the... Gospel of John was written by John the Apostle, and I have been getting some feedback from people, uh, and they wanted some clarification because I said that that gospel was written in 90 CE, and Jesus was born in 5 BCE, so that would make John, if he was his contemporary, very old when he wrote these books. So, historically, these books are attributed to this apostle, but based on what we believe because of archaeology that when the book was written, we now think that that seems kind of unlikely. But so one idea is that it could have been written by followers of John and attributed to him, which is a common way that people showed honor to, uh, to teachers at the time. So that could have been something, but historically attributed to John, the name John comes from John the Apostle. So, just clarifying. Great. Thank you for the clarification. If you have other clarifications, please email us at Sunday School for Heathens or tweet at us at school number four heathens. That is the end of the second part of this episode on being initiated. So, amen? Amen. You may now go in peace to like and share the pod.